he's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. <laughs> welcome, welcome. You now listen to the transparent truth. It's your boy, Coach Kate. Live, recording live from Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't got my main main with me, but I got him on the line, Greg Biggins. Go Biggins. What it do? What's up, Keith? How are things in beautiful Canton, Ohio? Well, they're not very beautiful, GB, as I am sitting underneath a pile of rain that's been dropped on me. I don't know how it rains in the late days of July, the summertime in Canton, Ohio, but it's raining. It's supposed to rain for a couple of days. Getting prepared for enshrinement week here. Also our eighth grade All-American game, but Mother Nature's not being too kind, GB. You know, sometimes Mother Nature does not cooperate, but I know you'll make the best out of it. Yeah, there's no question about it, man. So just kind of give a re, uh, rundown of today's show, man. We're talking some recruiting with you. You got a lot of news for us, a lot of late-breaking news, and maybe some anticipated commits coming up, maybe for those Oregon Ducks. We got a terrific interview with Matt Preen from Duck Authority, 247 Sports. Great interview. And uh, we got our Sleeper of the Week and always one to watch. So, GP, without further ado, my man, hit us with recruiting. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Yeah, dude, a lot of commitments, and so many, in fact, that I don't remember if we even discussed these. I know Oregon had a couple. I believe we already discussed the Michael Pittman commitment, correct? That was last week. That was prior to our show on Tuesday, if I remember. He yes, had sir. an eight-minute highlight video. Keith, that was a long <laughs> commitment video, but good for Micah. He can do it his day, do whatever you want to do. Uh, Elijah Blades, did we already discuss that one last week? Was that... Since the show or prior to we, the show? We, we did. It was it was breaking news on the show. He had That's committed right. right before we started recording. What about Brian Addison? That was an interesting story. Did we talk about that story on the show? We did, we did talk about Brian Addison. We talked about uh, him having an issue in terms of entrance academically into UCLA and uh, that he didn't want to wait it out. And so he decided to you know, get his release from the school, from his letter of intent, later committed and signed with the Oregon Ducks. So let's get off Oregon. We're done with Oregon. We've got enough Oregon Ducks on the show already, as you as you said. Matt Preen breaking down Oregon Saturday Night Live later on. How about the USC Fighting Trojans? How about a guy who goes by the name of Bryce Young, one of the most gifted 2020 quarterbacks in the land? He went ahead and made his commitment Locked his spot in a year early. Most quarterbacks like to commit before their senior year. Bryce did it before his junior year. We had him on the show on Friday. He talked about it. Uh, that's a huge pickup for uh, for USC and for Bryce. Uh, really a nice fit for both parties there. Yeah, no question about it. Bryce Young, about as dynamic as a football player with the ball in his hands in the pocket or outside the pocket as you can get. I've loved him from the jump. Very interesting how USC prioritized Bryce in that 2020 class. He was their number one option at the quarterback position in terms of recruiting. Gets the commitment from Bryce Young, who I very eloquently nicknamed the magician for his ability to escape all types of pressure and still be accurate with the football. Great job, Bryce. Great job, Trojans. 
that 2020 class is going to be huge. I'm calling it right now, Keith. It's going to be a potential top three class. They lead for so many dudes. Uh, Chris Hudson also went ahead and committed. He's a... Uh, we're going to see a run on St. John Bosco kids committing here pretty soon, Keith. we got three of them committing this week alone, and we'll get to that in a second. But Chris Hudson, uh, a dynamic receiver. There's a, there's a nice, solid group of, of SoCal receivers. You look at Bryce Farrell's already going to Stanford. you got Gary Bryant. Chris Hudson, uh, a guy who um, we saw him when he got his offer. Without the day, we were at the camp, the little elite camp, and Chris was out there just killing it. Picked up the offer from the USC Trojans. Chris Hudson is going to USC as well. Yeah, no question. I mean, just a, a playmaker on the outside. He can line up anywhere, inside, outside. He can run every route. He's just a go-getter when it comes to getting the football. He can attack high point. He can make plays with his body control. He's got unbelievable body control, hand-eye coordination, and tracking. One thing about Chris Hudson is he's, he's a dog, man. He's oh, not the biggest totally. kid in the world. He's not the most physical kid, but he's got a big heart, and he plays with it. He plays with his hair on fire and his chip on his shoulder, and I really like him just as a productive football player at the next level. Dog, 100%. I say it with the receiver theme. How about a guy who goes by the name of Joe Nagata, spurning the Washington Huskies, where his older brother Ariel Nagata is a linebacker. I think most people you know, kind of thought, hey, Huskies are going to be tough to beat. He took a visit to Clemson back in March and just loved it there. Loved the atmosphere. They don't do a whole lot of recruiting out West Clemson. They don't need to because they do so well in the South. And they got some decent football players in the South. But Joe is leaving the West Coast, going to play for the Clemson Tigers. Huge pickup. The kid who, you know, Folsom kids, they don't ever do camps or combines, so you never see them in the offseason. But on the tape, this guy just jumps off the film. He's a 6'3 kid who can run. He's tough. He's physical. He's after the catch. He can run with it. Guy really checks off every single box. And uh, again, Clemson, man, they're on a. You can put Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama. I feel like those three schools are kind of on a, another level right now. Maybe Ohio State also, but Clemson, man, they're building something really, really special. Yeah, they are. I mean, you know, let's just talk about Joe Nagata for a minute. The closest thing in high school football right now to Julio Jones, if you ask me, you talk about that 6'3 frame, but he's explosive, Greg. He's not the, the typical long strider 6'3. He's got tremendous turnover, tremendous explosion in the open field. He's a very physical football player on the outside. Breaks tackles, uh, is a physical blocker, will put guys on the ground. Uh, just an outstanding football player. What a pickup for the Clemson Tigers. Dude, I love it. I liked it a lot. How about Oregon State? Can't snub them. Seems like people just always kind of view them as the Oregon Ducks' little stepsister. Yeah, no doubt about it. You you talk about Trevor Lawrence tossing you the pill over the next few years. I mean, they've got T. Higgins on one side. Frank Ladson is already committed from South Florida. You talk about Joe Nagata coming in in the 2019 class. Clemson is as hot as anyone on recruiting trail. Maybe Georgia may be a little bit hotter, but I mean, Clemson, man, they're loading up with elite players. And wow, they, they've got an unbelievable future in front of them. Yeah, I think I, I cut you off there for a second. Apologize. I, I, I didn't hear you for a second. You kind of broke up on me. But Oregon State, I was trying to say, a lot of times viewed as, you know, and they hate this, but kind of viewed as, you know, Oregon's little brother. But they picked up a, a pretty intriguing kid from Long Beach, Pauly Alex Austin, kind of a late bloomer, pretty deep secondary for Pauly last year. So Alex was a part-time starter, but 6'1", 6'1 and a half maybe, got some length to him. I watched him at the Elite 11. They had Pauly's defense out there, and Alex is pretty dang good. I think he's a kid 
who, as more schools see him during this season, I could see him getting recruited maybe a little heavier than he is right now. But Oregon State went ahead and offered him. He took a visit, loved it. And Alex Austin, Long Beach Poly, going to Oregon State. No, really like him, Grant. One thing that stood out for me when I saw him up to USC camp was his makeup speed. He doesn't look like a guy who's blazing, but man, when the ball's in the air, he closes quickly and makes plays. Like you say, he's got length, he's got size. He comes from the city of Long Beach, so you know that somewhere there's some deep-rooted toughness. And uh, Alex Lawson making the commitment to Oregon State, but like you said, GB, I don't think recruiting's going to stop for him anytime soon. He should have a big year as their number one CB on the outside for the Jackrabbits and look for him to make plays uh, against top wide receiver targets on the outside one-on-one matchups. One of my favorite DBs out West is a guy from Bakersfield High School, Cameron Williams. An early Oregon commitment, committed their spring game, backed off that following the USC uh, Rising Stars came. Like a lot of people thought, oh, he's going to USC. He's been to USC two or three times. He commits after visiting USC. Washington Huskies and Jimmy Lake said, not so fast, my friend. He took an official visit out there to UW. Loved it. And although USC continued to make a strong push, Camp said, you know what? For me, it was more about life after football and he really loved coach peterson's built for life program he said i feel like at washington they care about you more than just a football player they care about you as a, a human being as a person uh and i that's why he said he went ahead and made that commitment to washington really nice safety tandem with asa turner uh who snubbed notre dame and usc and now cameron williams who snubs oregon and usc asa turner cam williams really nice safety package for the huskies also, Cam Fabiculana, who can play absolutely high safety, or he can play corner. Not sure exactly where he's going to be slotted in that Washington Husky secondary. But like you said, you know, Coach Jimmy Lake getting it done. Coach Will Harris getting it done on the recruiting front. Guys winning recruiting battles. The Huskies are, the Ducks are versus the Trojans. You don't normally see that, Greg Biggins, on elite prospects. But the Ducks and the Huskies winning battles in the recruiting trenches versus those Southern California Trojans. Very, very interesting moving forward here. And then Colorado, same with Bakersfield. Uh, Cam and, and his teammate Carl Jones, also kind of an athlete, plays on both sides of the ball. But he committed to Colorado. He'll be a safety for the Buffs. And, and Colorado is putting together a pretty solid DB class as well. Um, but Carl Jones and Cam, they kind of had a, a nice little um, – he ran out a little movie theater and committed out there. So it was kind of cool to watch that online. Carl Jones uh, also going to Colorado and Arizona. And our good friend, Coach Meat, lined a couple of DBs. Maurice Gaines, who plays at a prep school. He played at Sacramento uh, this past year. Um, he's going to a prep school this year, so he will play, but it will not affect his eligibility. He'll be able to come in with five years still to go. And they expect him to come in. He's a big kid, 6'1", uh, pushing 6'2". He can run. He's an athlete. And if he comes in and he's got his academics in order, Maurice Gaines will play early. And then also Chris Rowland, um, impressive kid from Knight High School in the Palmdale area, two-way player, wide receiver, safety corner, return man. But he's coming in to play corner. And I think he's another kid, a little sleeper. We've all, including myself, I think we all slept on him. I just recently watched his tape, and, man, he could play. I think Coach Meat was kind of ahead of the game on this one and like we said about Austin I think Roland's a guy is going to start to be recruited at a much higher level than he is now but you know he really has a good relationship with Coach Meat, Demetrius Martin and I think that commitment to Arizona looks pretty solid right now 
Yeah, no question about it. Coach Meade, one of the finest in the game in terms of recruiting and developing defensive backs. Got a plethora of guys underneath his belt who've gone on to the National Football League and contributed uh, big time for NFL teams. But, you know, let's not forget, GB, Arizona had a nice visitor over the weekend, a kid by the name of Jason Harris, a six foot seven, now 230-pound defensive end. I know they got him four short two four seven, but I'm here to tell you, I know this kid well. I know him personally. You talk about a five-star kid, five-star player, five-star prospect, this is the guy. Tremendous length, great athleticism, awesome flexibility as a six foot seven defensive end coming off that weak side edge. He's a pass rusher extraordinaire. He was on the campus in Arizona, hanging out with Coach Sumlin, hanging out with Coach Meade. Better be a, you better wake up, Jason Harris, out of the, out of the state of Arizona, a five-star prospect in my eyes. Look for him to be a Pro Football Hall of Fame All-American for the 2020 class real soon. Yeah, no, he's a top ten talent if he if he plays football, which you know no he doubt. hasn't been uh, he hasn't played much, and he also he's a gifted gifted basketball player as well. Yeah. Uh, could double sport or shoot. You know, there's talk from some of our hoop guys that he might just choose the basketball route because he's so good in that sport. But if he's healthy, I think he missed his whole entire season last year. So right. don't want to see the stock. Don't want to see the stock dropped. It's just more of a you know, hey, let, let's let's see you healthy, and then we'll get you back where you belong. He is a, definitely a sure. top ten talent. Um. And that is it. Oh, shoot, I can't forget the Fresno State Bulldogs uh, pulled in a couple of kids last night. Yeah, yeah. Fresno State. Uh, Miles Martin, Vista Marietta, Marietta, DB, and Jamal Glassby from Culver City, a receiver. So went local. Had a bunch of guys uh, this weekend at their event. And Melquan Stovall also, I I think, might be leading in that direction. He kind of cut his list down to, to five or six schools. But Fresno State doing some good things. They got a really good staff that's working hard. And obviously, Coach Tedford, you know, they won. Uh, you know, what, eight, nine games last year, and I think they're going to be sure. good again this year. So Fresno State doing some things on the, on the recruiting trail right now. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, they beat Boise last year. They, they ended up losing to them in the conference championship game, but they beat them uh, when Boise visited at Fresno State. Tedford, I'm a huge, huge Jeff Tedford fan, and you know, a guy that can coach, not just coach quarterbacks, but can coach teams, get his guys ready to play, be physical at the line of scrimmage, be able to execute on both sides of the ball, really know what Coach Tepper's doing. Recruiting-wise now, GP, don't sleep. They got a running back that's over there in that Fresno area, 2020. They already got a quarterback at Jaden Casey. Johnny Wilson puts him in his top five. Hey, the Bulldogs making a run on elite prospects. All in the name of Goat Biggins. Remember what I'm saying? <laughs> Kendall Milton, baby. I-, I would be surprised if he's not fighting on. I tell you, that USC 2020 class, Elias Ricks, Kendall Milton, Justin Flo. Already got Bryce. Potentially yeah. Gary Bryant. Keith, that class could be big, man. From what I'm hearing from some of these guys, they're all tight. They're all friends. Y'all want to play to play together. Sure. That's the, talk about Bryce Young being a great quarterback, but the other big advantage is he's got a magnetic personality. All these kids like him, respect him, want to play with him. So uh, we'll see. Long time, long time to go from here to there. Hey, speaking of uh, USC, the Crosstown Rivals picked up uh, a commitment from a kid from Colorado, Kane Medrano, kind of a sleeper kid. He chose them over Colorado State, 6'4", 205, kind of a multi-positional player. I think it's kind of what Chip Kelly's going for. Uh, plays some receiver, maybe bulk up to a tight end, maybe he plays a little bit of linebacker, but big-time track guy. I think he was the state champion in, in the shot, discus, one of those two, maybe both. I'm not sure. So 
UCLA's recruiting has been a little tough to figure out uh, in terms of uh, the strategy and, and who they're going after and who they're kind of prioritizing. But we mentioned John Ward last week. This week, uh, it was Kane Medrano, kind of, again, a kid who went to their camp. They liked him, evaluated him. And, uh, you know, it's all about measurables. And they like a 6'4", 205-pound kid who can run and, and uh, you know, he's got some ability to play multi-sports. So UCLA, again, interesting strategy. But Kane Medrano is a Bruin. And... That is it for the commitments. We got a couple guys cut their list down, Keith. Isaiah Rutherford is down to four. Cal, where his dad played, LSU, Oklahoma, and Oregon. I don't know, man. I I think the hometown Cal Bears have a really good chance to keep Isaiah home. And if they do, man, that would be big. Because Cal, I like their class a lot. I like what they're doing. I like what Justin Wilcox is doing. Isaiah Rutherford has got those national programs. Oregon has obviously prioritized them, LSU, Oklahoma. But I think Cal, man, they're, they're right there. Again, got some family ties there. It's close to home. He's been there multiple times. I think they could pull that one off in the end. Got some upcoming commitments. Michael Johnson, the quarterback from Sheldon, Oregon, is going to be committing on August 1st, which when this show airs, that will be tonight. Um, Penn State, Miami are kind of the main two crystal ball right now most people feel he will be a nittany lion also committing on august 1st which is wednesday tristan st Clair out of danville uh kind of one of my favorites kind of a hybrid db safeties looking at cal and notre dame and all of a sudden here comes stanford where pops played and now i think stanford is looking really really good mention the bosco players keith uh three of them are going to be committing boom 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 on august 3rd we got a guy jude wolf He's committing uh, USC, Washington, Notre Dame. I think most people feel USC is looking good for Jude. Naeem Rodman, also on August 3rd. Uh, Colorado, Colorado State, and Rice. Uh, he just visited Colorado. I feel the buffs are in a good spot for him. And then on August 4th, um, Spencer Lytle uh, is going to commit between Wisconsin and Clemson. And I'll tell you what, man, no one plays it closer to the vest than Spencer Lytle. He should be like in the CIA this guy, man, he does not give up anything at all. I kind of lean a little bit toward Wisconsin. There's no reason why I feel that way. He hasn't given me any tips or hints, but for whatever reason, I just feel like Spencer, he just kind of looks like a Big Ten-style linebacker to me. So, Bosco, three more. So, Chris Hudson last week, here comes three more. Already got Chris Steele committed. Oh, same with the Bosco team. Uh, Keith Trent McDuffie took a visit to Stanford over the weekend, and Dude, I would not be surprised. In fact, I'm kind of close. I'm kind of close, Keith, to making my crystal ball for the Cardinal. He was at Oregon, maybe a Washington lean, UCLA kind of hanging around, but Stanford has a way of they get you on campus, they wow you. Talk about life after football. It doesn't get better than Stanford. Maybe if you wanted to play baseball, Cal State Fullerton, those are kind of the two academic powers out west. But Stanford made a huge impression on Trent McDuffie, and I think right now the Cardinal could be in a good spot. For my guy, no, your love, guy, Trent McDuffie. Hey, listen, love to fit there, man. Love to fit Trent McDuffie, a, a PTP or in the classroom, man, on the football field. Infusion of athleticism in that Cardinal secondary, kind of as the future unfolds. I like it. McDuffie, life after football, solidifying his spot. Sounds like a good deal. Well, GB, thank you, my man, for all the recruit news. That was a, a bit much, and I love, love hearing about guys taking trips. Guys cutting down their lists. You know, recruiting has moved up, you know, forward and forward, faster and faster. Guys are making commitments earlier and earlier now. You better lock in your spots before your spot gets snatched, GB. What do you think? 
You know, I totally agree. And speaking of visits, I, I totally forgot and snug one of our favorite corners out here who goes by the name of Elias Ricks. He made a little Midwest string toward Ohio State, the Ohio State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. So Elias Ricks not messing around, dude. He went boom, 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 one day at each school. I think the Ohio State, they offered him at their camp, and uh, he really lit it up out there. Again, I think USC is going to be tough to beat. You know, lovely mom went to USC. That's the school he grew up watching. But Ohio State, man, he knows that if he goes there, he's playing in the NFL. I mean, that's DBU right there. They do a great job getting guys to the next level. So the Ohio State offer was was really big for Elias. And then uh, go to the Northwest, a couple of our favorite guys. G. Scott hit up Florida camp. And then Savelle Smalls was at FSU. So two elite juniors out of the Northwest. Savelle Smalls, FSU, and G. Scott both visited Florida schools and both lit it up out there. Both schools are prioritizing yeah. those two kids in a, in a heavy way. Yeah, no doubt. Both kids from the Pacific Northwest, big-time players. Love G. Scott, man. I've loved him since I saw him as a freshman. He just keeps getting better and better and working. Savelle Smalls, top player on the West Coast for the 2020 class. He's dynamic. He's versatile. He's physical. He makes plays in the backfield. You know, down the line of scrimmage. It doesn't matter. He's going to close. And he's like, so uh, Pacific Northwest really representing Sam Ash. You know, we can talk a little bit about him kind of as we move forward with the interview with Matt Preen. But, GB, thanks again for recruiting my friend. It's time to get to our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Our sleeper of the week this week hails from the high desert. Got a phone call from my good friend, Coach Wadu. He said, Keith, you got to check out my running back, Marshawn Buchanan. Let me tell you, GB, this kid can go, all right? They got a back who's explosive, who's shifty, who can Make you miss in a phone booth. Catches the ball really well out the backfield. Also returns kicks and punts. Got some creative juices in those legs. Marshawn Buchanan, a 2020 kid out of Adelanto High School. A transfer from Oak Hills. I like him. I think he's going to have a huge year for Adelanto. I know Coach Wadu's going to feed him the peel uh, to the outside and the inside. He'll get it to him in the screen game and the in the swing game, and I don't be surprised, again, if he contributes in special teams. Marshawn Buchanan, this week's Transparent Truth, Sleeper of the Week. GB, I like that one. Great I need to find someone. I need to find someone who loves me the way Gali Wadu loves Marshawn. Man, he God. was all, he, he, got, he got an offer from Arizona, and uh, yeah, Wadu was like, dude, you got to write this guy up. He's legit. I didn't know he had left Oak Hill at the time, so I did an article saying he was Oak Hills, and Wadu was like, hey, he's not at Oak Hills anymore. It's just me. What the heck's going on? Okay, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Calm down. Calm down, my man. I love Wadu. I love the Wadu family. They're all good people. 
No, they are good people. They got great energy. They love football. That's one thing I like about them. They love they football. Love they yeah, like absolutely. helping kids. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, GB, we got an interview. We got a great interview. Our guy Matt Preen, two four seven Sports Duck Authority. I mean, this guy knows everything Duck football. We're talking about the Oregon Ducks out in Eugene. He was at Saturday Night Live. Any, any thoughts, GB, going into this interview here? You know, it was cool because right now, I mean, it, I hope people don't think we're kind of, you know, giving too much love. We had Keith Hayward on earlier. It, it just, Oregon is, is doing it right now. You know, it's kind of like we talk about the Trinity League because that's kind of the, the league where all the juice is going on. Oregon right now is recruiting at such a high level. And Matt was awesome. You know, he's not a homer. He's very level-headed. He kept it real. He broke the guys down who was there and kind of moving forward, talked about, you know, how this Oregon staff is so unique. He's been covering it almost 10 years and said he's never seen a staff at Oregon that kind of combines just all this energy. And there's a lot to sell, uh, obviously, with the winning tradition they've had during those Chip Kelly and, and uh, helpers years with, the, you know, the Nike, the facilities. It's all there. You just kind of want to go out and do it. And I think this current staff gets that. And, uh, no, Matt did a really good job of breaking that all down for us. There's no doubt about it. So, without further ado, let's get to it. Matt Bring, Duck Authority, 247 Sports, here on the Transparent Truth. All right, now we'd like to welcome on Matt Preen, senior writer, 247 Duck Territory. He's going to give us everything duck related from Saturday Night Live, big time camp up there in Eugene. Matt, how you doing? Doing good, guys. Doing good. Finally, good to be finally on the show. Hey, man, we, I hear you're a big supporter of the Transparent Truth. We really appreciate that. But you're here in a work capacity, my man. We want to know all about it. I got my man Greg Biggins here on the line. And, man, Saturday Night Live. I mean, listen, I used to stay up for Saturday Night Live on television when I was a kid. People need to start staying up every year now to listen for the report of the Oregon Ducks getting down and getting dirty up in Eugene. GB? Go ahead and take over, my man. So, Matt, it seems like while the West, the West, the rest of the West Coast is kind of a little bit of sleep at the wheel, the Oregon staff, as usual, just grinding like crazy. If yep. you can, let's, let's, let's just jump right in, man. No softball questions for you. Saturday Night Live, uh, a ton of great talent out there. Give me your unofficial or even your official MVP. Who is the kid that impressed you the most out there? I, I would say there's... There was over 60 guys there. There was about 25 four-star caliber guys or better there. Um, the guy that stood out the most, though, was a three-star for our rankings. And, Greg, you have a better understanding of who could be seeing a bump and who, who could be sliding. But I, I have to think Giles Jackson, the, the all-purpose running back, is, is going to see a bump uh, in his composite ranking. I, I think we've, we've made him a four star for 24 seven sports, but Correct. he was, he was the best guy, uh, at the camp. In my opinion, when you, when you take into consideration production on, in the camp and then kind of what was on the line for him, because I don't know if Oregon necessarily was a hundred percent on board in terms of taking a verbal commitment from him a month ago, three weeks ago. And he came up to the camp and just dominated in the slot position. He didn't take any running back reps. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next guy that commits to Oregon because he's in a unique situation because he can play running back, he can play slot, he can return kicks and, and punts. And Oregon's full at, at, at running back for sure. They've got two two commitments there and, and Sean Dollars and Javon Wilson. And then 
at receiver, they've only got really room for one or two more guys, max, too. And Giles Jackson showed out enough to, to say, look, this is a guy, if he's going to he's gonna commit, Oregon staff is probably going to want to take the commitment. And you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here in, in the next couple of weeks. He's got a commitment on the 25th. He said that's probably going to happen sooner, which to me, you just kind of connect the dots there. Um, I, I was really impressed with him. You know, from, from where he was six months ago, from a recruiting standpoint, to where he is now, USC, Michigan, Florida, Oregon, Oregon State were kind of like his, his main schools. To you know, six months ago, he, I don't know if he was really hearing from any of those schools. No, he's a Cinderella story. Actually, we're going to have him on the show on Friday, Matt. He's going to be uh, we always call it Five Star Friday. He'll be the special guest, but no, I mean, he's made a meteoric rise. And remember talking to him at the Under Armour Combine back in like February, and he had no offers at all. Got invited to the opening, and I, I remember talking to Brian Stump, and he was like, dude, what's the deal? Is this guy like, does he rob banks? Does he, has he uh, yeah. killed anyone? Like, what are we not seeing? Why have schools? Yeah. Does he have like a, you know, a 1.1 GPA? There's got to be something we're missing. So they went ahead and invited him. And then right after that, it seemed like just boom, boom, boom. And he yeah. dominated at the opening finals. And yeah, we got him ranked 208 on 247. Unfortunately, the composite's a little bit, a little bit on the Behind. lower side. But yeah. You know, you got to give the other side some time to catch up, right? Now you got to, you know, the yeah, exactly. the party. But they'll be there. <laughs> hey, what about on the defensive side of the ball? I know you talked about Mikael Wright, who's been our number one corner for a while. Uh, it felt like he had a pretty good day too, right? Yeah, yeah. Mikael Wright was as advertised. And, you know, the receivers that Oregon had at this camp were pretty good. You had a Jamison Williams. You had a J.R. Waters. Uh, Waters is a guy you, you've talked a lot about as having a big rise as well this, this spring and summer. Um, LV Bunkley Shelton worked at, at in the secondary and at receiver from the 2020 class and you know Michael Wright fears no one and he went up against everybody and you know I, I can't remember a, a rep where he was clearly beaten in any of those reps and it was very obvious that he was one of the better players uh, at, at the camp regardless of position and just overall performance and if you're Oregon, knowing the cornerback depth that you have, they only had four scholarship guys on roster for spring football. McKeel Wright could, they're probably thinking, hey, can you just stay and enroll at the school a year early because you could help us right now. Um, that's how good he was. And I, I'm sure that, you know, Dante Williams and Keith Hayward and, and Jim Levitt, uh, they are just antsy waiting for him to get to campus because he was really, really good. Uh, in, in zone coverage and, and also in man-to-man and pressing and you know stuff at the line of scrimmage and he was pretty good uh, all the way around it was pretty impressive but the guy I I came away really impressed with was Triquez Bridges out of Alabama the recently verbal to, to the Ducks I want to say I was on vacation I think it was Monday uh, of last week and it was kind of a little bit out of the blue and he just just dominated at the safety position and you know, this was a spot where Oregon loaded up with Javon Holland and Steve Stevens last year from the, from the prep ranks and both those guys were U.S. Army All-Americans but Bridges is just another long line of the list of, of guys that Oregon's got at the safety position. They're, they're, they've been loading up that group the last three years of talent and, and going after guys and it's going to be it's going to be interesting when you throw in Holland and Stevens this year and then when Bridges gets to Oregon if he you know holds true with his commitment for the 2019 football season. That, that safety battle is going to be really fun to watch. No, you just got to figure, when you pair Keith Hayward and, and Dante Williams together, you're going to have... They're going to kill it. Recruit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Those are two of the very best. It's almost unfair 
Hey, so you threw out a bunch of receivers. Would you say receiver? And I kind of want you to get, you know, go a little bit deeper on a guy like J.R. Waters or even L.B. Bunkley. Uh, would you say receiver was the deepest position at this camp? Yeah, I would, I would probably say so. Um, they, they had a lot of guys that were 2020 guys. Logan Layola, a guy that's, you know, got an Oregon offer. He was here. And quite honestly, we didn't really write much about him just because of, you know, the talent from a, from a receiver perspective that was here. And you, you have to take in the mind that this isn't like a regional Nike uh, opening camp, whatnot, where, you know, you've got 300, 400 kids. You know, and, and that allows 10 to you know 15 receivers that are that are dudes. Uh, th- this was about 60, 70 players, and they they had four or five guys that six guys at the position that you could legitimately say, yeah, that's a guy that should be playing uh, at Oregon potentially as, as even as this season. Um, and, and so yeah, the, the receiver group was 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 loaded for for this small of a camp position group. They got a really good eye on a couple guys. Uh, that could play both ways. Darian Chase, a, a 2019 prospect, and L.V. Bunkley-Shelton, a, a 2020 guy. Um, and then they had Jamison Williams, a four-star from Missouri that was here. And um, they they also had J.R. Waters. Uh, and then they had a couple of the Northwest guys, that Lincoln Victor. That's a dude, Greg, I, I think he's not going to go to Oregon. Oregon doesn't have a spot for him. Washington's not going to take him. He's out of the Seattle area. But that's just a dude that in three or four years – He's going to be at Eastern Washington or he's going to be at Oregon State or Portland or Boise State or Washington State. And in three years, he's going to torch guys. And everyone's going to be like, where did this dude come from? And he's just unfortunately going to have the, the situation where Oregon and Washington, the two big schools, didn't have room for him. And he, he's, going to, he's going to be a player in, I think, three or four years. And I know it's an Oregon-centric you know, podcast on this one, but that's the guy from the Northwest I was I was really impressed with. He made a lot of plays as well. No, no, I love hearing stories like that. And that, shoot, that happens all the time. You know, probably have a chip on their shoulder just because of the fact yep. he got snubbed by the two. And we see it, you know, locally out here when, you know, UCLA or USC passes on a kid and he goes somewhere and always, always makes him pay. Hey, how did, uh, what about the running back? Sean Dollars, Javon Wilson were both out there. How'd those two guys look? Uh, Javon Wilson, uh, you've seen him more in person than I have. I look at him and just, dude, that's, that's a linebacker. I mean, he, that's a linebacker and a running that's yeah, playing the running back position. Um, Wilson was really, really good at, at that position, but just from a body type, he just looks like a dude that loves to hit guys. And it's it's tough to get that kind of an assessment for this type of a camp because pads aren't on. Um, he's that bigger back type mentality, but he you know he he looks fluid as his breaks out of the backfield and in the passing game were, were solid, and you know, he made the catches he needed to make. Sean Dollars looked, you know, like what we kind of all expected him to do um, when when they were doing the the one on one drills for the running backs. You know, he low to the ground, center, you know, center of gravity, and his footwork was pretty good. Um, those guys were, you know, they they did what they were expected to do. They showed out like they were supposed to. Um, the guy I was really impressed with at running back was 2020 Sam Adams out of Eastside Catholic High School up in Seattle. Um, he's a really big guy too, and I would he didn't get an offer from Morgan. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if this camp basically kind of said, okay, let's just make sure once we get three or four game films of him this fall before we offer. Uh, but I think, I think this camp probably locked in, you know, as long as he, he performs in, in, in the fall and month of September for high school football, um, as he's expected to, that he'll be one of the guys that gets an offer from Oregon in the 2020 class at running back. Nice. I like Sam. I like his pops. A good family. 
Hey, I'm, dude, I'm on the same page with you as, as Javon Wilson. I saw him at a seven-on-seven tournament not too long ago. It was the, I think it was July 7th, right after the opening. And I, I go, dude, you're an NFL linebacker. What's the deal with this <laughs> running back talking? He just kind of slapped because that's just what he always loves. That's just the position yeah. that he kind of has the most fun playing. And I'm going, dude, like, you don't. He you don't says he wants guys. to play both. I mean, that, maybe that happens. Yeah, he says he, that happens I, I mean, that's, very rarely. I, I just yeah. think, dude, linebackers are mill ticket to, to a, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of money. You, absolutely. Hey, quarterback-wise, you had your commit, Kale Millen. Um, break him down for me. You know, I, I think Kale is a guy that you, have to, you either like him or you don't like him. Um, Saturday Night Live, he connected on a lot of his deep balls. It was very accurate. Uh, on, on the throws that were 30 yards or, or more. He had multiple touchdown passes to Jamison Williams. And um, uh, ironically enough, a 2021 running back that's committed to Oregon 7 McGee that, that worked exclusively at receiver. Um, and if, if Giles Jackson wasn't – and I apologize for not saying this earlier. If Giles Jackson wasn't the most impressive player, it would be 7 McGee, a 2021 guy, because I was expecting a you know 5'9", five, 5'10", five, maybe running back that was smaller and, and, and considerably noticeable difference uh, between the older guys. And McGee looked physical, physically as, as big as, as any 2019 guy out there, especially, you know, of the running backs and of the receivers and the DBs. And he was really, really good at receiver. So that was a guy that Millen connected a lot with. Um, you're going to be hot and cold on, on Millen one way or the other. I, I think Oregon got a guy that, look, his, his, his floor isn't, the worst, his ceiling uh, is pretty high, and it's now going to come down to how much can Oregon tap into that potential and develop him. And luckily for Oregon, they've got Justin Herbert already for 2018. There's, I think there's a good chance Herbert comes back for 2019 to play with his brother Patrick. You've got Tyler Shuck waiting behind him, Braxton Burmeister. You know, so, so Millen's going to have the opportunity to redshirt a season develop his skills a little bit with the new red shirt rule, you know, play four games as a true freshman, maybe, uh, or, or maybe two or three. And then, you know, the, the next year's red shirt year, get a couple more year, reps of experience throughout the, week, the season. And then, you know, as a sophomore, see where he's at. Um, he's, he's not going to be thrust into a situation like a Herbert was or a Burmeister was uh, last year when Herbert got down with an injury. So I, I think he's got time to, to, to develop. And I think that's, if you're looking at that of, Hey, we want him to be ready to help us in three or four years. I think he got a, a pretty good quarterback. He got a chance to get this guy in and you know bulk up the weight, improve his his, his timing and his mechanics a little bit, and and then you'll you'll, you'll go from there. Um, but if you're expecting him to come in and, and to compete as a redshirt freshman, I think you're 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 being a little overzealous there. That's a little about you, Matt. You're actually a level-headed. Double I think most people be like, oh, dude, Kale Mellon, he's kind of like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers mixing the one. He's ready to go right now. That's what most would say. I do appreciate your, your level-headedness. Um, and, and I agree. There's definite upside with him. He's got an, uh, and I mean this in a masculine way, great body, great frame. I mean, that's kind of how you draw it up. He's an athletic yep. dude with some, some definite physical tools. It's up to, up to my guy, Marcus Arroyo, to make him a player. And hopefully Marcus can do that. Hey, so I read in one of your reports, you didn't get to see the linemen just kind of from a vantage standpoint. They didn't allow you guys to kind of roam as much. Yeah. Drake Jackson and, and Keon Ware-Hudson, uh, two guys who are, you know, really talented. Um, didn't get to see too much of them. What did you get to see from them, Matt? I mean, 
First of all, if you're looking for guys that you want to come off the bus first, Drake Jackson and Keon Ware Hudson are probably a couple good choices to pick. Um, Drake, especially. Just from a, a sheer size standpoint, I don't think we've seen uh, those kind of guys at Oregon, in particular Drake Jackson, you know, all, all that often. You know, Oregon doesn't go out and get these monsters of, of defensive ends from a physical standpoint. Um, traditionally, out of the high school ranks, they got to you know bulk them up when they get here, like like a Jalen Jokes, you know, crazy athlete coming out of high school. But I think Jokes showed up at Oregon like 230, 6'7", you know, really really thin and long, and now has you know had to bulk up and has needed five years to get there. You know, Drake's got the size. Same thing with Keon. Um, but from our vantage point, it was really difficult to just to be honest and, and, and give a true assessment. Like I could come out here and, and say, oh yeah, they killed it. But you know, quite honestly, we were 50 yards away uh, from watching where they were. And then the same thing with the offensive linemen. Um, you know, we, we were able to see them go reps uh, against guys, but I couldn't tell you if, if they did swim moves or where their hand placements, you know, were or you know what kind of you know, footwork they had for, from a, a pure visible standpoint. You know, we saw bits and pieces of it, but. It was difficult to see where the offense and defensive linemen were at. So Jonah Tawanu, I kind of, I kind of yeah, threw he, a little blurb, blurb on your on your message board. I think Oregon's yep. actually in a pretty good spot right now. So kind of the same deal. Just didn't really get to evaluate him just from a vantage point where you guys are standing. Yeah, I mean, we, but, but I think you can tell a lot by just looking at guys too, because sometimes you you find guys that are you know you, you hear about them they're six foot five and and 330 pounds and you're like wow it's a big dude and then you, you see him in person it's like yeah they got a lot of weight but they don't really look all that athletic or they don't you know they can't move well with that kind of weight and, and it's almost deterrent than yeah, than well, a positive of having that of having that weight and you know with jonah just being able to walk past him while we were walking in and walking out you, you could easily tell like he's really 325 like Wow, that, he he carries it well then because I I looked at him thinking wow he's if he's truly three twenty five that you know he's he's pretty thin for for that that size that listed size and you know he he must carry it well and be able to move well and we did get to watch him you know do just agility stuff and you know that was you, you see that from an offensive lineman and and, and you want to say okay are they big yeah but how well can they move and. You know how how much can they change directions and and whatnot and you know he he crossed all those boxes off and the agility stuff that we were able to see and you know that would be a monumental get for for crystal ball you know getting Penny Stool and then the other guys that they got in the 2018 class and you know a lot of, I think a lot of Penny Stool is probably game ready uh, probably you would hope for 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 this coming season but then the other guys Dawson Drillamo and then Chris Randazzo Justin Johnson uh, and Stephen Jones you you probably think maybe one of those other four sees the field and the other, the other three probably redshirts and develops a little bit. I think, you know, Jonah's kind of probably in that line of he probably will play as a true freshman wherever he goes. You know, maybe there's that slim chance he redshirts if he gets a, an injury or something like that between now and his enrollment date and start of next season. But for one offense, you know, they've already got one Juco lineman committed and they're looking for maybe one more high school guy, maybe, maybe two. Um, and and it's, it's pretty clear from a physical standpoint and agility standpoint, Jonah's their top guy. And if they could get that, you know, that's two really, really good prep offensive linemen in back-to-back classes. Hey, what about the 2021 quarterback class, class out West, especially in SoCal, looking pretty strong. I think the guy who probably stands out the most is, is Tyler Buckner. I know he was yeah. out there, got offered. A he got an later. offer. 
Yeah, absolutely. What did you think of him? He was good. You know, it's it's always going in for me. I, I don't like trying to make too much of a big deal about guys going into their sophomore years of high school, maybe after they, they showed at that level. But, you know, from, from a guy that just has played one year of high school football, you know, he, he had good good mechanics. He, he had good accuracy from, from the throws that he made. And, you know, he, he was very attentive and listening to, to Arroyo and, and what they were doing. And um, his footwork was pretty good. His release, he got the ball out pretty quick. Um, arm strength, it, it, that's going to be a debate because how much of a growth is he going to see? You know, I, I know I got a lot stronger, you know, from my freshman year to my sophomore year and, and, and growth and whatnot and, and how much, much more weight you put on. And so, you know, his development in the next year is going to be pretty telling in terms of where he goes and, and where he, you know, where he, he becomes from a high school player. But you, you can easily see that the pieces are starting to fall into place that, you know, he could be one of the top guys out West uh, for, for the 2021 class. And that you've been covering, you know, kind of moving off the camp now. I'm just kind of talking Oregon football in general and big picture. You've been covering it eight, nine years. Yep. This staff is, is like none that I think I've seen. I've been doing this a long time. You know, obviously it starts off with Mario Cristobal, but have you ever seen a, an Oregon staff that you've covered that just kind of had the zealousness, the, no. the passion, just how active not just one or two coaches are? Because in every staff there's one or two guys, but with yeah. Oregon staff, you hear kids say this. It's not even the whole staff. It's the trainers. It's yep. the equipment guy. It's the, you know, there's 30 people meeting kids off the elevator going berserk for them. Yeah. it's like this before? It's it's different. Oregon's never had this before. And, you know, I, I started covering the Ducks, Mike Pilates last year. And, you know, Chip Kelly at, the, at that time when he was the offensive coordinator was, was considered to be, you know, a pretty good recruiter because he had to be. Um, Steve Greatwood was, was a good evaluator, um, but I don't think he was ever a guy that was just super gung-ho like this staff was. Gary Campbell, Oregon's old running back coach, he was a dude that was very good. Dom Pelham w- w- had the reputation of being able to go in places and get guys. Um, but this staff is entirely on a whole nother level. And, and I know Oregon fans are, you know, the, you talk to the average Oregon fan, they're, they'll, they'll say some pretty nasty things about Willie Taggart, but one thing that I think Oregon fans have to acknowledge is the fact that when Taggart was hired last year in, the, in December of 2016, uh, one of the first things he changed was the recruiting mentality because there was, you know, Scott Frost was on record when he was at UCF saying it was difficult to recruit to Oregon and that they had a hard time going out and getting guys. And I think Scott Frost is one of the, you know, brightest coaches in college football and a guy that's, you know, it's been clear the last couple of years at UCF and now at Nebraska that he's a rising star of the coaching ranks. I think he's going to be really good at Nebraska. But to say that you can't recruit at Oregon, first year under Taggart, he destroyed that idea. And now um, under Mario Cristobal, they've obliterated that, that thought process. You know, that, that type of mentality is not accepted anywhere out of Oregon anymore under Cristobal because like you said, that Dante Williams, Keith Hayward, Marcus Arroyo, Court Dennison, Joe Salavea, you know, the list goes on and on of guys that are really, really good recruiters. And that starts with Crystal Ball. And they've made a lot of enhancements uh, with this staff that the average fan doesn't necessarily see. You know, they've bulked up the analysts. They've bulked up the, the positions that are high school relation coaches and um, going out and, and increasing the staff of recruiting coordinators and, and whatnot. And so they're 
they're, they're pushing the strength guys, like you said, like a coach Feld, of having a mentality of, look, you need to get our guys ready to go, but you also need to prepare yourself to tell, you know, potential prospects and their parents why they need to come here and why you can help them. And, and it's just, it's caught fire here. And you always kind of wondered when Chip Kelly was here and when, when Mark Helfrich had the Ducks in, in the National Championship in 2014, it's like, if you could match the marketing power and the brand power that Oregon has and already with a staff that's just dialed into recruiting and, and fully on board with it, you could really go after that number one recruiting class. I mean, that, the nine years I've covered Oregon, I've never really realistically thought that Oregon's in that discussion. And then right now they're fifth in the country. Um, they're probably not going to get number one this season because they don't have any five stars and it's going to be a numbers case for Oregon. And then I know we'll talk about that later, but I think at least as long as crystal ball's here, you could you can legitimately say, hey, look, Oregon's going to be a potential top five team in the country in recruiting. Uh, and, and as long as crystal ball can get Oregon in the top five, there's always going to be that chance. It might not be a, a, a real high chance every year, but maybe every two or three years, Oregon's going to be in that position where the dominoes fall right. They, they could end up with the number one class. Well said. No, and, and I was going to kind of lead you into, I, I think Willie Taggart has to get some credit because I feel like a lot yeah. of the energy, I, I saw it all starting last year, and obviously Chris Ball is taking it to another level. So last one for you, Matt. You kind of kind of teased at the very end there. You know, spots are running out. Um, you know, we're, you tell me, uh, how many guys can Oregon sign this year and if you were to handicap it, give me give me three or four names that you're pretty comfortable. Not not guaranteeing it, but give me three or four sure. guys that you think can finish this class up. You know, I think it's a unique situation for Oregon because they've only got like 14, 15 seniors that are on scholarship that we know of, and that's something that we're going to look, you know, dive into when fall camp starts and how many guys truly are on scholarship that are seniors because that's the first place. And then you've got the idea of Justin Herbert. Does he go pro? Um, you know. Chris Ball has, has gone on record with me saying that you know, that's going to be one that you know they're going to have to figure out. Uh, but then other juniors he doesn't talk about right now. But I think you could you could realistically say there's you know two guys along the offensive line: Jake Hansen, Calvin Throckmorton, uh, who could go pro. Um, you, you've you've also got Troy Dye, a linebacker that's probably going to be more of a safety at the NFL level. Um, maybe he he decides to go. He's led the team in tackles the last two seasons. Um, so I, I think the number right now that I've heard a lot of is kind of 24. If they can they can get to 24, they'll have, you know, a pretty good idea of where they're at. I think that's a lot. Um, that, that's probably going to require a couple guys going pro early, and maybe they, you know, maybe they know like a guy like Logan Sacapolo, a guy that's going to take a Mormon mission uh, after after high school and not count towards the 2019 recruiting class. You know, maybe they, they add that guy into the mix. So, you know, but I've heard the number 24, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it drops though to like 22, um, and and so spots are getting are getting close because they've got 17 guys right now, and they've reached the point now where they can't say a Kyle Ford is a must take when a month and a half ago he was when they only had maybe two receiver commitments before Micah Pittman committed and you know Josh Delgado committed and you know so they've only got a couple spots left and and in certain spots they can't take anybody. Um, that's why I think Giles Jackson's going to commit sooner than later because he's got a spot right now. But if a couple more guys commit and you know they they look at their options at other key positions, you know they may say, "Look, we already got two running backs. We already got five receivers. 
uh, let's just cut bait. We just can't bring him in from a number standpoint. So I think Giles will be a guy that will commit early. Um, Gmon Eford, a linebacker, because linebacker is a position that they really need to load up on and get some talent in there um, out of Alabama. He was, or excuse me, Florida. He was a guy that, that was here for Saturday Night Live and has a lot of schools in his areas have been trying to get him to take unofficial visits to go to their camps, go to their campuses, and and you know, and then they'd be able to take his commitment. He's he's not done that, and all of a sudden he, he pops up in Eugene across the country and pays his own dime to come out here. So I think Eford's going to be a guy that that will pop for Oregon. And you know, I I'm really tempted to throw in a crystal ball and offer Jonah T. You know, I, I think he's been to Oregon twice. Um, in the last four, five months, uh, I can't know. I can't 100% say for certain that if he's done that for a USC or if he's done that for an Oklahoma. Um, the only fear I have is the USC factor, and I know that they've got Rodriguez already committed, but USC typically gets who they want in the SoCal area, and they always, they always do that to Oregon. At the very last second, they go in and they swipe a dude that Oregon felt like they had last year was Devin Williams, and. You know, I, I, you know, I just kind of wonder maybe USC at the very last second puts the pressure on and, and, can, and can get him to, to flip or to commit. But I, w- I, would, I would say Jonah T would be the third guy that right now I'm, I'm pretty close to putting my crystal ball in for him as well. That would be a great class, Matt. And, dude, this was fun. Dude, I, could, I could keep going. I love talking <laughs> Oregon, dog football. But, uh, you know, we got we to gotta let you go. Thanks so much for joining us, Keith. You got any questions for our guy Matt Cream? Are you you good? You you up to you up to speed now in all things Oregon Duck football, aren't you? I I am up to speed. I do have one question though, Matt. Sure. Oregon recently made an addition to its coaching staff via uh, Southern Utah's defensive coordinator Rod Chance, a very close friend of mine, a dynamic recruiter, a monster defensive coordinator and defensive mind. He's from South Florida. What do you know about Coach Chance? And what do you know of the contributions he's made thus far uh, for the Oregon Ducks and their coaching staff? For sure. You know, I think he's a guy that just got to Oregon this week or in the last seven days or so. So his impact probably hasn't been too much. But I, I, I think this is crystal ball stealing a page out of Nick Saban's playbook and preparing for life after a, one of his main assistants moves on. Um, Keith Hayward's gone on record saying he wants to be a head coach. He wants to be a defensive coordinator. Um, he's had an elevated title at Oregon this offseason. Um, but, you know, the next step for his progression is to either skip the D coordinator job and, and go somewhere else as a head coach or get a D coordinator job. And maybe that's maybe that's at Oregon cause, because Levitt also wants to be a head coach. And so I think Oregon's, you know, Crystal Balls is, this is what made Oregon so good from a recruiting standpoint. And this is why I think Oregon's going to be in a position for a long time under Crystal Ball is you're not going to catch him unprepared. It's going to become a case of do they have enough players and can they develop those players? Because he's always thinking two, three steps down the line. You know, this is chances a guy that's going to come in. He's going to work off the field for a couple of years, maybe a year or so. And then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets elevated up to a, a current assistant position, one of the 10 spots, because Aleva goes and gets the head coaching job at Kansas State to replace Bill Snyder, you know, something that's in his contract that allows him to get out for free. And then Oregon bumps up Hayward, the D coordinator, and then here we go. Here's Chance in the, in the secondary. Or, or maybe uh, Levitt leaves and they, they bump Chance up to, to coordinator because Hayward leaves or whatnot. You know, the, the scenarios are endless. But I think this is crystal ball 
getting a guy that, that's a really smart X's and O's dude, a, a guy that's going to re- recruit really well off the field for Oregon, do a lot of evaluating, helping the Ducks identify guys, have his own ties to help his recruiting, but then at the same time, getting him prepared for a, for a non-field position when one opens up. Sounds good. Well, hey, Matt, Duck Authority, you must be everything of authority for the Ducks right now in terms of 247 reporting, Duck Authority reporting. You're the man. I appreciate you for coming on the show. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Anytime, I'm always here to talk it up. Sounds good. Ducks Authority senior writer Matt Cream here on the Transparent Truth. All right, we appreciate Matt for coming on. What a great job he did reporting on the Ducks, reporting on their staff. They're recruiting now and they're recruiting down the road. 2021 prospects, 2020 kids. You got to like what you heard. A guy like Seven McGee. I mean, you talk about a dynamic athlete. This guy, he can, he's about as good an athlete as you're going to find at the high school level. He can run, jump, and break people down anytime he chooses to, GB. He lit it up. Giles Jackson at Saturday Night Live lit it up. Mike Hill Wright. Great reporting by Matt Preen, Ducks Authority, GB. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed we're not going to be able to see Seven McGee. He was going to be at Narbonne this year. He's back east. He's playing in New York right now out of Rochester. He's got some family back there. He told me it's going to be a one-year deal, and they'll be back out here. I hope that's the case because, man, he's a fun guy to watch. And I, You can't compare anybody to Anthony Thomas. You, you can't do it. That's blasphemous. But if there's anybody who kind of brings a little dynamic nature to the game in that L.A. City section, it would be Seven McGee. So this year he'll be playing out in Rochester, New York, but hopefully he'll be back out the West Coast, back in SoCal for his junior and senior year because he's a special talent for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. The Ducks, they're hot. They're hot as a firecracker. You had to ask me, I think the Georgia Bulldogs, the Clemson Tigers, they're only probably the hottest teams in terms of recruiting. Alabama's always going to stay hot. He ain't got to worry about that. Coach Saban's going to make sure of that. But the Ducks, man, they're on fire, and that staff is – it's one of a kind right now in terms of recruiting, man. I mean, they are going after and getting who they want. And they prioritize Giles Jackson next as that slot receiver. So we'll see how that unfolds. GB, right now, it's time for our one to watch. Our one to watch this week. Hells from the Northern California. I want to talk to you a little bit about a kid named Rico Flores, GB. A 2023 kid, an eighth grader. He's out here in Canton, Ohio. He was selected as our eighth grade All American from Northern California. Five foot 11, 160 pounds, a route runner supreme. This guy understands how to run routes, how to use leverage, how to get open, catch the ball, and score. Rico Flores, he plans to attend St. Mary's in Stockton. I know that they have had their eyes on him for a while talking to Rico. He says, Look, coach. I think I can come in playing as a freshman. Now, we all know St. Mary's is a, is a top program in Northern California. They got butchered last year by Modern Day, and they're actually coming to the Santa Ana Bowl this year. I told Rico I will not be there. I don't want to see that massacre with Dusty Frampton. I dusted last year against the Monarchs. But uh, Rico Flores, one to watch, 2023 receiver. This kid is a playmaker. Can't wait to see him as he matures and gets older and continues to develop. He's a big-time player, and congratulations, Rico. You're this week's one to watch on the Transparent Truth. GB, sorry to tell you, my friend, it's time for us to bring this baby to a close. 
I appreciate you for jumping on with me. It's a transparent truth. Please follow the show. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we are out there. Please follow us on YouTube. The show airs on YouTube every week. Without further ado, it's time to bring this baby to a close. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.